previously stated that he would take action that essentially ignored the ruling. In 2014, the White House announced its plans to implement a program which overlooked existing immigration statute. It ignored the fact that changes to the law would have to be passed by Congress. It was opposed by 26 states, which brought a successful lawsuit to block the unconstitutional maneuver. The president pledged that he would place the affected immigrants on a low-priority deportation list and they had nothing to worry about. Unlawfully ignoring the Constitution, Congress, the courts, and over half the states. Mr. Obama's authoritarian and unprecedented actions are incredibly dangerous for America's future. I'm Frank Venusio. Read more at usagovpolicy.com. Welcome to the world-famous Jiggy Jaguar radio program. Ron Uncut, Jiggy Jag, you know how you do it. You know what I'm saying? Keeping it all the way live. Broadcasting live from Hutchinson, Kansas. Well, I'm sitting here with a linguist. I had a no idea. <laughs> I, love I didn't that. know you were a but I didn't know that you were a wordsmith. <laughs> Call Jiggy right now. 267-22-Jiggy. Hey, Jiggy, what's happening, man? You must be that uh, David Bowie song. Jiggy Play Guitar. It's a great name, man. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Presenting. I'm, I'm Mike Massey. I'm, uh, you know, you can catch me on Jiggy Jag TV and uh, see a few of my tricks up there. Thank you very much. Jiggy Jaguar. I never knew what freedom was until I saw you lose yours. Welcome to an action-packed edition of the World Bank. From Graham Coast to Coast. Motor to Motor on TuneIn, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, Stitcher, the brand new Jiggy Jaguar app. Thanks for tuning in to the Jiggy Jaguar radio program from the KJAG Radio Studios. In Houston, Kansas, we are live as live can get each and every day. Monday through Friday, 24-7 at JiggyJaguar.com on the TuneIn Maps and Radio Loyalty. Our brand new Droid app, our brand new iPhone app are now available. Or download them at JiggyJaguar.us. You can stream the show live, 24-7 replay, exclusive news and programming information. Selected editions on iHeartRadio and AMFM247.com. Today is going to be a very interesting day. We've got Donna Carol Voss going to join us here in a few moments. She is uh, going to join us at the bottom of the hour uh, to discuss some of the different issues of the day. The different issues of the day. Lots of things coming up with Donna. We've got some interesting interviews that I uh, have pre-taped that we're going to run today here live. And uh, lots, lots of interesting things as we head into a new month. Uh, lots of cool, cool things going on. Lots of really horrible things are going to be going on as well. Not really horrible things, but the Kansas State Fair is going to be kicking off, and uh, that is horribly hot. And uh, <laughs> I'll be out there for it. But uh, here's an interview we did fairly recently here in our program. Call okay, is now yeah, being yeah. recorded. Well, uh, as 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 we were talking before we uh, before we lost you there, and I know I I always I always hate on technology. I always say, why can't we go back to the typewriter? Um, <laughs> uh, you, you were talking about social media. You were saying you were kind of a dinosaur when it comes to social media. Go ahead and finish your point there, my friend. Oh. I am a bit of a dinosaur when it comes to social media. I, you know, I haven't, uh, I have never done the MySpace thing and not, and I haven't jumped into Twitter or Instagram or anything like that. So I, I am a little bit of a, a tough guy to catch in the social media. Unfortunately, at this point, if I'm on the small screen or big screen, 
you can catch me there. But, uh, yeah, I don't really have any other outlets uh, at, at, at this point. But so hopefully at some point soon I'll, I'll jump in. Um, as far as uh, upcoming TV or, or film work, I've got a uh, I've got a small part in uh, American Housewife, which is a new ABC comedy coming out uh, this fall. I believe it airs October 11th, and uh, it's a recurring part. And they're just kind of get they're getting going on the uh, shooting of new episodes. So I'm hoping to be involved with that more. And then you know it's auditioning, and it's just kind of seeing where the wind blows as an actor. It's a bit of a bit of a crazy profession. It's up, it's down, and you know I love it. Uh, my wife is 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 awesome, and she kind of rolls with it too. So. We don't know where the next job is coming from. We just kind of keep our fingers crossed and keep a smile on, you know. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you this weekend out at the Comic-Con, and uh, we will definitely see you this weekend. Thanks for being with us today. Absolutely. Look forward to it. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you then. Definitely. Well, have yourself a good weekend, brother. We'll, we'll see you at the Comic-Con. Thanks. Appreciate yeah. it. Thanks so much. Take care. Okay. Definitely. Bye-bye. Thank call you. call is now being recorded. Back here on the World Famous Cheeky Jaguar Radio Program, Jeremy Howard with us today. And, of course, uh, Jeremy is going to be part of the Kansas City Comic Con coming up this weekend in Kansas City. And uh, looking forward to chatting with him uh, today on our broadcast. Now, um, Jeremy, tell me a little bit about your film background because you've been in, you've been in a lot of movies. Tell, tell me when... About your first movie and when you got started, I believe that was The Cure in '95. Yeah, yeah. My, uh, I, well, my parents were character actors when I was growing up, so it was kind of an easy transition in when I said I wanted to kind of, you know, give it a shot. But uh, yeah, I grew up doing commercials. The first uh, movie I did, I think, was yeah, The Cure, and uh, just after high school, you know, did commercials through high school and uh, maybe a couple tiny bit parts, and then uh, yeah, after high school, just didn't really know what else to. To do, didn't want to sit in an office all day, and uh, acting seemed like it was a pretty good fit, and uh, just kind of, yeah, got 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 lucky, I suppose, and uh, kept getting some some jobs, and I'm kind of still in that boat today, so <laughs> it worked out. Well, uh, you 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 you've been in some some big movies. You were in Men in Black Two. Uh, you were in How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Tell me a little bit about some of these parts and uh, and and some some of your time in these movies. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, well, let's see. Uh, yeah, right, right, right when I was about to graduate high school, I, I, I got Galaxy Quest and The Grinch. And, uh, you know, you, you, you take some of those uh, for granted when you're young. Of course, as you get older, I look back and go, my gosh, I was real fortunate to hook into such cool cool projects at the time. Um, yeah, and then Men in Black 2, and uh, I also played some, some ghosts in Haunted Mansion. Those came about. Uh, Rick Baker did the makeup on... Uh, on the Grinch, and he's you know won Academy Awards for like Werewolf in Paris, and uh, actually the Grinch he won for I believe as well. Uh, he's a makeup guru. He he loved my long neck, so he wanted to bring me in on some of those projects. And then other things just kind of came about uh, just through the standard auditioning process. Uh, the same lady who cast me in a small part in uh, Catch Me If You Can uh, had cast me in Galaxy Quest, and then she cast me in uh, Ninja Turtles. Uh, you know a few years later, and uh, yeah, you know it's. I have a great time doing it. It's really a lot of fun. The people that you meet in this business are uh, really just great folks I, that I've found anyway. And uh, really, I, I love it. I enjoy doing it. I love, you know, I want to do it till I'm 85. We've got Jeremy Howard with us today. He's going to be part of the Kansas City Comic Con coming up this weekend in Kansas City at Bartell Hall. And uh, he joins us today here on our broadcast. And uh, 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is uh, one of one of the big movies that you're that you're in here. Uh, tell, tell me about working with the Turtles movies and uh, being involved with such an iconic franchise. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, listen, I I grew up adoring the Ninja Turtles. Uh, my my parents took me to see that in 1990. The you know the first the original one that. Uh, that came out in theaters uh, with the old suits, and uh, from then on, I had all the toys. I wore a mask. I ran around. You know, I think the time we were living in an apartment complex, and I had a broomstick and ran around pretending I was a turtle. And uh, from the broomstick, I'm thinking that was Donatello. So kind of a, a bit fortuitous. So you know, fast forward to, you know, when I'm you know 30 some years old, and then I get the part of playing you know a uh, childhood uh, hero like that. It was it was surreal but amazing because you kind of it takes you back it takes you back to those those early childhood feelings of just I, I love I love the turtles so much and then to meet all the young fans now that are growing up with it with the the Nickelodeon cartoon series and then now of course uh, you know the Paramount films uh, that we've been doing uh, it, it's it's an amazing uh, it's been an amazing journey and just to be a part of that world again it, it yeah, again it brings back those kid feelings I love it people love uh, love the turtles and I, I you know people ask me you know what is it about it that 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 makes them stick this long and I think we've kind of identified it as all four turtles have different personalities and they make the perfect uh, specimen, you know, together as one when they work as a team, and people identify individually with each one. Uh, you know, the sort of the uh, the the I guess quote unquote nerd folk tend to identify with Donatello the most, and that's <laughs> the one I identify with. I'm kind of a bit of a nerd myself, and uh, um, so you know, everybody connects with it in a different way, and uh, it's 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 been a pleasure to be a part of, and again, just because. Uh, the majority of that of that uh, the joy comes from meeting the fans, and I've been to a few of these cons now, and I, I you know I try to take as much time as I can with with each person who comes up and and you know appreciates uh, some some part of the work that I've been lucky enough to be involved with, but certainly uh, turtle fans uh, I especially love love hearing their stories and you know where they where they started with their uh, with their you know most people are kind of obsessed with them where they started with their obsession with turtles and how they got going and um, you really try and you know fig- find out where people are from what they do and in, in their lives and I I love that I love interacting with them. So these uh, yeah these 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 comic things are are fantastic I love it. this is like the third or fourth one that I've done and I, I would love to do more I think I'm going to New Hampshire next month I was in Kentucky uh, Tennessee last month. Um, I, I love it. So, you know, any fans that are out there want to come out and say hi, um, I, I love saying hello and, and meeting and see what, see what people are about. So, yeah, this is just great. I'm looking forward to this weekend so much. Well, I, I, I definitely am looking forward to, uh, to talking with you this weekend. Uh, we're going to be out. Yeah, you're going to be there? Some TV. Oh yeah, we're going to be covering oh, the event, so I'm I'm hoping oh, maybe awesome. uh, okay, great. we could squeeze five or six minutes out of you for TV. Uh, of course, this, of course. This weekend, and uh, before Absolutely. we let you go, um, what, what do you have coming up as as far as uh, movies and uh, how do people get in touch with you if they want to get a hold of you on social media? 
Oh, I appreciate that. You know, I'm a little bit of a dinosaur when it comes to social media, so I'm not. I'm. 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 I'm not out there. I'm. I. I I'm a little frightened of it sometimes, but. Uh, uh, as far as upcoming work goes, um, you know, I've got a small part in uh, ABC's new comedy, Tuesday Night Comedy, American Housewife, and uh, we're kind of, it's a, re it's, a, it's a recurring part, so we're hoping uh, as they get fired up and shooting more episodes that uh, I'm invited back, and then, you know, from then on, it's kind of just... Uh, this call is now being recorded. Welcome back to the world-famous Cheeky Jaguar radio program. We're talking with our friends from the uh, – they're going to be at the Kansas City Comic Con this weekend. We've got a great guest with us today here on the line. I'm going to go ahead and let her introduce herself, and we'll talk a little bit about why she's here. Go ahead and uh, give us a brief introduction on yourself, my friend. Uh, my name is Carrie Hen, and 30 years ago I was in the movie Aliens as the character Nick. Now, uh, tell us a little bit about – the aliens uh, aspect. How, how did you end up in the film? Um, well, it was kind of one of those random things that just happens. I was my dad was in the Air Force, and he was stationed at in England. And I usually went home for lunch, and I happened to be eating lunch in my school cafeteria, and I didn't realize that I guess they had gone all over the states looking for just what they were looking for as far as for my character. So they came to my school cafeteria took my picture, and it just kind of all happened from there. They audi I auditioned and just kind of kept going back, and then they called up and said I had the part. So, Wow, wow. Now, uh, <laughs> you, you, uh, you uh, that, that is amazing. <laughs> that is absolutely amazing. Now, um, yeah. <laughs> in 87, you won a Saturn Award for uh, Best Performance by a Younger Actor, Actress, um, Tell us a little bit about this, because this is a heck of a deal. Yeah, it was, and I, at the time I didn't really realize it, because I didn't really have a concept of what was kind of going on, because I was only 10 when Aliens came out. Yeah. Um, it was it was really amazing. It was, I went in, at, they called me and said that I was up for nomination, which is exciting, and then we went to the award ceremony, and Aliens actually won quite a few awards for Saturn. Quite a few of the Saturn Awards, and it was it was a really amazing feeling to get recognized for something I did at such a young age. We've got a great guest with us today. Carrie Hinn joins us here in our broadcast. She is going to be part of the uh, Kansas City Comic Con coming up this weekend in Kansas City. And uh, tell me a little bit about these uh, for for folks who've never been to a Comic Con. What 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 is that like from from the celebrity guest perspective, from, from your perspective? Um, you know, it's really amazing because it's so neat to see other people, you know, meet different, obviously meet other celebrities, but also meet the fans and to see how much of an impact a movie that was made so long ago still has on so many people. And it's nice to know that I had a small part in that. And it's, it's a really, it's a cool feeling and it's such an amazing um sight to see, you see you know, so many amazing costumes and just different things going on and the booths that are there, and it, it's, just, it's an amazing place to go and see. Now, uh, go, going from the from the Aliens movie and then also uh, doing doing uh, some of your other work, what, what did you do after the Aliens movie? Kind of, kind of take me on a, on, on a trip here as far as uh, your, your, your acting and everything in general. Well, 
I haven't acted since then, actually. I moved just before, just after we finished filming Aliens, because Aliens was filmed in England. My dad was stationed yeah. in America. So we moved between filming, finishing filming and the premiere of Aliens, we moved back to California. And I contemplated maybe going into acting. But to be honest with you, I wanted to be a normal kid and have friends and go to school. And so I decided to take time off. And then eventually I decided just to follow my dream, which was to be a teacher. So I went to school, went to college, um, got my degree, went on, got my teaching credential, and now I teach fourth grade. Fantastic. Now, uh, now, in, in the in, in the teaching world, um, what what's kind of take me through some of the skills that you learned as an actress to uh, to, to apply that to your uh, to your school work and everything. <laughs> um, you mean as a teacher? Yes. Yes. Um, well, I guess I'm good at hiding my emotions because sometimes kids say the funniest things. Um, and it's hard not to laugh. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think, you know, and sometimes there's things that, you know, as a teacher or even as a parent, you have to be a bit more upset at so that they understand that it's a line they shouldn't be crossing. And so sometimes yeah. I might not be quite as upset, but, you know, they might think I'm a little bit more upset. So, I mean, it's probably more that kind of thing than anything else. Um, you know, I've, I have always had a good work ethic. I did when I was younger and it's kind of continued through, which helps, you know, keep, I guess, me up on track with what I need to be doing in the classroom. Harry Hinn with us today here in our broadcast. She's going to be part of the Kansas City Comic Con this weekend. And uh, uh, I appreciate you making time for us today. I, I, I definitely am looking forward to uh, to chatting with you. Hopefully we get a little chance to do uh, maybe a TV interview or something when we're out at the Comic Con this weekend. But uh, thanks for being with us today. No problem. My pleasure, and hope to see you there. Definitely. Have yourself a wonderful, wonderful week. We'll see you this weekend. All right. Thank you. Bye. Thank you much. This call is now being recorded. We are back here on the world-famous Jiggy Jaguar radio program. We're doing interviews today. We're focused on our friends that are going to be appearing at the Comic-Con this weekend. Aaron Sanford's with us today. He joins us live, and uh, he has had a lot of success in Hollywood. He's been in some X-Men movies. He's been in uh, a, a ton, a ton of movies. And uh, Aaron, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you for the uh, for the glowing introduction. Much appreciated. Now, uh, first of all, tell me when you started uh, in this crazy uh, show business life. Uh, I, I started, um, when I got out of college, basically, in my, uh, in my early 20s. Uh, went to school at Rutgers University, New Jersey, and majored in, in theater. And, uh, moved to New York City, because I always wanted it to be there. And that was where the, uh, independent film scene was happening, which I was very interested in. And I was very lucky and uh, very quickly booked a, a lead role in a, a small independent film called Tadpole. It was opposite yeah. Fever. And it was a very, very, very big get for me. Um, and uh, and very, very exciting. And, and basically that, that launched my career. And I've, uh, I've been working since then in, in uh, film and television and dabbling in a little theater here and there. 
Now, also, I believe 2002, you were named one of the uh, top ten actors to watch by Daily Variety. What, what, what was that experience for you? Uh, you just cut out the top ten what? The top ten actors to watch by Daily Variety. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a long time ago. Um, yeah, you, you know, it's it's always great to to get you know little little. Um, Accolades like that along the way, it's it's very encouraging. Um, you know, I think I think I had a lot going on that particular year. I think that was that might have been the year that I was. Uh, I did a show called Traveler and a a horror film called The Hills Have Eyes. That's sort of beloved amongst uh, amongst a, a core cult following. Now. Uh uh, you ended up uh, doing a lot of films. You've done a lot of TV stuff, and then you ended up with the X Men movies. Tell me a little bit about getting put in that position uh, to, to be able to be part of this iconic franchise. Well, that was that was pretty amazing, and that happened right after the the indie I told you about, uh, Tadpole, yep. which was you know a tiny yep. little film. They shot it for one hundred and fifty grand, um, absolute shoestring budget. We shot it guerrilla style. And uh, and then, like the next film I got was X Men, which was the absolute you know couldn't couldn't have been more of a polar opposite. That was you know hundreds of millions of dollars and uh, incredibly high profile, and it put me opposite actors like Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen and Halle Berry and Hugh Jackman. Um, so it, you know it was it was jumping into the deep end of the pool, um, and I was. Incredibly excited and terrified all, all at the same time. And, um, <laughs> yeah, and you know, and to get a chance to play like Pyro was such a cool character. I, I really couldn't have asked for for you know something that was more in line with with the type of, of character I like to play. You know, he was he, he he had a lot of complexity to him. He starts off at Xavier's school for gifted mutants. In, in their training program, but there's something a little off about him. He's sort of an outcast among outcasts, and uh, he ends up being seduced and brought over to uh, to the Brotherhood by Magneto, which was a really fun little arc to play. Um, so, it, you know, it, it was really, um, really an amazing opportunity uh, and experience, and, um, you know, just a great time. Now, going going from this and uh, be, being involved in this, uh, you end up in a Wes Craven uh, remake at one point. Tell me a little bit about The Hills Have mm-hmm. Eyes. Yeah, that's The Hills Have Eyes that I mentioned before. And uh, yep. people go, I go to these cons, and, um, you know, people just love that movie, and, and they're always telling me, you know, this, this, is, this is one of the remakes that got it right. Um, it was directed by this guy, Alex Aja, who's a French director, uh, who lives for horror. He just loves it. He loves gore. He loves, uh, you know, suspense. He loves, he loves horror. And, um, but he also has the sensibility of an art film director. So, you know, he, he makes these terrifying movies, but he shoots them beautifully. Um, he shoots them like art film. If you've ever seen a film he did called High Tension, that was the first one to put him on the map. 
And it's absolutely brutal and absolutely beautiful at the same time. And, and that's what a lot of people remember about Hills Have Eyes. Uh, we shot that in the, in the desert in Morocco. Um, so the landscape is just, you know, absolutely breathtaking. But at the same time, it's peopled by these, you know, cannibals that are looking to, to eat this, this, you know, hapless family who broke down in their trailer. Um, so that was interesting for me. That was my first, that was the first horror film I had ever done. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty, pretty unique for me. Well, you're going to be part of this, uh, Kansas City Comic Con this weekend. Uh, the, these Comic Cons, I've been to a few of these. Folks just go ballistic for you guys. <laughs> the lines yeah. are insane. Um, yeah. from a, from a, uh, from a guest, uh, perspective. Uh, what is that like out there meeting some of the fans and doing all these things? From from your your end of things, what the heck is all that like? Uh, you know, it's been great for me. I haven't been doing it for very long. This will be my this will be my third convention that I've done um, on my own, and uh, I really really enjoyed it so far. And um, you know, it's, uh, you know what the line is about. Those lines are—it's about people who, you know, they just—they saw something that you were in, and it affected them on a very, very deep level, and it, it has stayed with them. And it's something that meant a lot to them. And a lot of them—they're just looking to come up and get that FaceTime with you and, and tell you about that and tell you how much your performance meant or the movie that you were in meant to them and, and uh, you know, just get some FaceTime and ask you a couple questions about what the experience was like. Um, you know, they just they, they just wanna they wanna touch that, you know, and, and have a piece of it. Um, and for me it's great just to see see what it's like on the other side, to see what this you know, the, this material that I'm putting out there, these performances that I'm putting out there to, you know, to see how it's being received and, and, uh, and especially by this group of people who clearly are the ones, they're the ones that loved it. So it's great to get that positive feedback and that, uh, appreciation. You know, it, it's really, um, it's really nice. Well, I'll tell you, it's going to be an interesting weekend out there, Kansas City Comic Con. Looking forward to uh, to possibly spending a couple minutes with you for the TV show. I know we're going to be in and around that area, so uh, we'll stop by your booth and say hi this weekend. All right, sounds great, man. I'll see you there. Definitely. Have yourself a wonderful week. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Okay. This call is now being recorded. We have Fernando with us today here on our program. Fernando, how are you? I'm great. How about you? Pretty good, actually. Tell us a little bit about your background. Give, give us, give us, give us all your background here, my friends. So people know who we're talking with. Okay, I'm I'm a musical artist. Winner, musical artist. You know, I have been writing my my old songs since I was 16, and I had been playing with a lot of underground underground bands, and now I'm my solo career developing my own music and try to figure out my whole brand new style. You know, I'm trying to do something like nobody never made before. Yes, we have Fernando with us today here in our broadcast. Tell us about uh, your writing style of music. 
Yes. When I was a teen, I was digging a lot on Nirvana, and that influenced me a lot. You know, I have been growing up with nines, so I love nines a lot. So that that has a lot of things in in my in my music. And the last thing that I, I released, the Sunset Strip, is very in that vibe. I made the try to to get the sounds in, into the nine. You know, something like very background, you know. Fernando with us today here on our program. Fernando, how do we uh, reach you online? You can get me on Twitter, you know. You can get me on Instagram. And now I'm I'm going to Snapchat because I was not using mobile some days ago, but now I'm, I'm full on, on social media. And you can get me... On Google, if you you put my name in, you see a lot of a lot of things on there. You know, I'm I'm, I'm everywhere. We've got Fernando with us today here on our program, and um, tell us a little bit about your latest music that people can pick up and download and all that. Yes, my latest music is Sunset Strip is available on, only on Vivo right now. Because I'm about to release a new album, is is in fact my first album will be an EP, and it will be very different of the things that are being working right now because it will be a lot of hip hop and something pop that's totally different the rock music, but it will be rock music and Sunset Strip will be released in this album, so it will be a great thing. We have Fernando with us today, and uh, we are going to play some of your music right now. I appreciate you uh, making time for us today and being on our program. We're going to play some of your music right now, my friend. Thank you for being with us. Okay, thank you. Definitely. Thank you, Fernando. Have yourself a wonderful day. Here's some of Fernando's music on our radio show. Call is now being recorded. We're going to see if we can make this work. I, I've always, I've always told people we should just go back to the typewriter. Um, all this technology <laughs> and all this shenanigans, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I can, hear, I can hear you now. <laughs> okay, I've got you too. Uh, now, now, uh, but but before before we uh, before we had our minor little uh, our technical difficulty there, you were talking about the fact that people thought you were crazy. Uh, this is Chris Markowski, Watchdog on Wall Street, and this is your Watchdog on Wall Street Money Minute. The uh, hedge fund uh, bigwigs are at the SALT conference. Yes, the SkyBridge Alternative Conference in Las Vegas. And one of the big guys out there, 73-year-old Leon Cooperman, said that the industry is under assault. Well, maybe because your performance is horrible. Listen, um, you know, hedge funds are a novel concept when they're done on a small scale. These multi, 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 gigantic, ten, hundred billion dollar funds. How do you, how do you hedge? How do you sell a position? It's a difficult thing to do when it's that big. Um, each and every one of our clients' portfolios is, in essence, a mini hedge fund. The model in of itself was there to make the hedge fund guys rich, plain and simple. Nothing more, nothing less. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. The Jiggy Jaguar Radio Program continues. Welcome back to our big broadcast, coast-to-coast and boulder-to-boulder on TuneIn. 
iTunes, or Radio Loyalty, Stitcher, and the brand new Jiggy Jaguar app available in the App Store. JiggyJaguar.us. You can stream the show live, 24-7 replay, exclusive news programming information, listen to our podcast, watch our videos, do everything inside of our app. Selected editions available on iHeartRadio and AMFM247.com. Today we have a fantastic, fantastic guest with us today. He joins us live, and uh, he has got an incredible book. It's Jess Money. He's the author of the novel Public Enemies, and he's with us today here on the broadcast. It's a timely book about politicians, banksters, and the sinister CEOs considered the real public enemies. It's an engrossing novel that's bound to become a motion picture in the near future. And we go to the telephone. We've got our good buddy, Jess Money, with us today. Jess, tell us a little bit about this book, my friend. Well, first, I want to say it's good to be with you. It's always good to people talk to people in the heartland, uh, the flyover country, as the coasters like to call it. Yes. Uh, I always remind them, you know, New York and California aren't, connected they don't share a common border it's all those states in between that make them the same country <laughs> but anyway uh you want to know what public enemies is about yes well, tell us a little bit about the book it's about a guy who lives his entire life by the rules serves honorably in combat gets a college education raises a family steady employment and gets totally shafted by the system and he decides that this is not the country he learned about in his grade school civics class and that the solution isn't to change the players, it's to change the rules by amending the Constitution. Get rid of some of these uh, uh, concepts, uh, perverted concepts that the politicians and the bureaucrats have managed to finagle through over the years. Uh, but he needs a way to publicize it, and what better way to do that than the targeted assassination of assorted corrupt politicians, banksters, health company CEOs, and so forth. He's really out to start the second American revolution, which he succeeds by doing, but it doesn't necessarily follow the path that he had planned out. And his adversary in all this is... Um, brilliant, dedicated, young FBI agent named Darren Medlin, whose nickname is Doc, because he's the cure for tough cases, but this is the toughest case uh, he's ever faced. And um, as the revolution grows, caught in the middle of all this is a young, attractive female talk show host named Crystal Dickerson, who... Mr. Payne calls from time to time to publicize his crusade. So that's it in a nutshell. Well, it sounds like it's a very, very, very entertaining book. Tell me a little bit about uh, the writing process for the book. Well, it's interesting. This is how the book came about. Uh, I've been involved in local politics here for about 15 years as a citizen activist fighting against a... um, a double whammy city council. They're both corrupt and stupid. Anyway, <laughs> well, I, I, coming home one night from a city council meeting, it's a typical meeting. There's an issue that the, the public is against. For three hours, the public gets to march down to the podium three minutes at a time and tell them 
that they hate the project and why they hate it and what's wrong with the project. And at the end, the city council thanks everybody for participating in the process and approves the project. And so I'm driving home, and I'm thinking to myself, these guys aren't afraid of anything. They aren't afraid of getting voted out of office. They're not afraid of the initiatives and referendums that we've successfully used against them. They're not afraid of anything. And then it occurs to me, well, everybody's afraid of dying. And I think to myself, how would these guys act if they knew they might be on the other end of that, the crosshairs and the telescope? Now, you can't go around assassinating public officials, but all fiction is based on the premise, what if? What if in a galaxy a long time ago there were <laughs> rival factions? What if a mother had to choose which of her children was going to be executed by the Nazis in the Holocaust? Um, except, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So by the time I got home, I realized that the basic concept was a blend of the movies Network and Death Wish. <laughs> Holy smokes! And that's where the idea came from. Now, from that little germ of an idea of four or five sentences, you know, this thing metastasized into this monster project. Uh, it had to be on a national scale, and then... It had to be reform, and then how do you enact reform that endures, and what in reforms do we need? And, you know, um, it's, uh, it's the bane of every writer. Every idea you get for a book or a screenplay or something is a curse. Um, it's, it's a disease, and you have the writing is the, is the cure that's a hell of a deal. We've got uh, Jess Money with us today. He's the author of Public Enemies, a timely book about politicians, banksters, sinister CEOs considered the real public enemies, and it's an engrossing novel that's bound to become a motion picture in the near future. And he's with us today here on the broadcast. Now, this is your first novel. What have you written in the past? Well, I've sold my first magazine article uh, to the local uh, California Auto Club magazine when I was 16 done a lot of ad writing, newspaper writing, journalism. Uh, probably my biggest deal is I wrote two drafts of a screenplay, a biography on Marlena Dietrich for DreamWorks and Paramount. But when DreamWorks and Paramount split up, the project stayed at Paramount. Then we tried to revive it as a miniseries with HBO and the BBC, but that eventually fell out of bed. So that's, you know, in... 25 words or so, my writing background. <laughs> That's amazing. It is Jess Muddy. He joins us today here in our broadcast, Coast to Coast to Border to Border. Donna Carol Voss will join us here in a little bit to uh, wrap up our program. Now, how did, how did you get the idea for this book? Well, like I said, I went to the, was coming home from that council meeting. Yep, and, yep. You know, and it just struck me. And, you know, I'm a kid, and I walked in the door, and I went, straight to the couch to the side table which has a legal pad on it for my compulsive note-taking and started sketching out random ideas that came to mind in this flood of of process you have all these you have all at least i don't know how other writers are but me when something like this happens you have this jumble of 
ideas and questions, ideas and questions, or questions and ideas. Who, why, where, how. God, I gotta fit this in. Yeah. <laughs> God, I gotta fit this in. That's right. Right, and it just comes cascading down, and then you know, actually, get all the ideas out on paper. You go up. You go to sleep. You get up the next morning. You look at this. Oh my God, I have to deal with this. Uh, you know, writing it down, a few ideas on the scratch pad is not the finished run. We've got the fabulous, fabulous Jess Money with us today. He joins us live here on the telephone talking about his latest book. Um, what kind of into the book? Um, well, you know, as a writer, you're always um, anxious and hopeful about how your target audience is going to respond. And um, you realize that some people are probably not going to like it. Um, but uh, I've been actually amazed and to some degree astounded by the, uh, by the reviews. I'm averaging 4.5 out of 5 stars <clears throat> on over 90 reviews on Amazon. One guy a couple months ago wrote um, that this was the best ebook ever now it's available in hardcover paperback audiobook the whole spectrum. oh yeah but he wrote that it was the best ebook ever and i'm reading that and i'm thinking to myself no i don't think so but thanks anyway <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know i mean um and and uh i have like i said i've got i'm averaging 4.5 two-thirds of my reviews are five star I have one one-star review and no two-star reviews. Everything else is three, four, five stars. And friends of mine in the writing community just, you know, they they tell me if I can bottle that, they'll buy it. Um, so, yeah, it's been well-received by the public. We've got a, a great guest with us today. He joins us live, and uh, we're going to go uh, to Donna Carol Voss here in a few moments. Do you have a few moments to uh, hang out with us and, and chat a little politics with Donna? Certainly, absolutely. Okay, well, we're going to do this. We're going to take a brief break, probably 60-second timeout. We're going to go to our Wealth Investors Minute. We're going to come back. Donna Carol Voss, Jess Money, coming up here on our broadcast. This is Jason Roberts of the Wealth Investors Minute. Keeping costs down over the lifetime of your retirement planning and saving can literally shave years off the day you retire. Here are four ways to keep those fees down. One, invest in low-cost ETF index funds with fees less than 0.25%. Second, never pay a transaction fee. Some upfront loaded fees, typically in mutual funds, can reach as high as 6% or more and is a completely separate fee from the annual management fee. We aren't selling houses here. No sales commission should ever be paid on a retirement account. Three, avoid IRA account maintenance fees. Typically, these fees are charged on smaller amounts. And finally, choose a fee-based planner instead of a commission-based advisor. A fee-based planner is compensated by receiving an annual management fee based on the size of your account. Since the planner receives a percentage of your total account balance each year, he has an incentive to grow your balance over time, aligning his goals with yours. This is Jason Roberts with the Wealth Investors Minute.
the Jiggy Jaguar radio program every afternoon on the network, coast-to-coast and border-to-border. Keep up with Jiggy online at JiggyJaguar.com. Welcome back to our big broadcast. Jess Money, our uh, previous guest, is going to hang on here. We're going to get Donna Carol Voss. going to bring her in here on the old Skype audio. And uh, we are going to talk some, some politics and uh, it, it all Hi, just, there we are. I've got uh, Donna Carol Voss with us today. She joins us live here in our broadcast. We also have our previous guest who we, uh, we ran over with, Jess Money. He uh, recently wrote a, a book, and both of these books have a political bent to them. Uh, Jess Money, of course, has, has written an extraordinary book here uh, called Public Enemies. It's about politicians, banksters, and sinister CEOs considered to be the real public enemies. It's an engrossing novel this thing is bound to become a motion picture in the near future we also have with us today our good friend donna carol voss she has a fantastic book out there it's called hail to the chief 10 questions to ask every oval office candidate and um today we're, we're going to be talking about the dimming light of america in north korea the people eat tree bark but believe they're the most privileged people on earth because that's what the media aka the government tells them in america we live the noblest form of life ever known to man, but too many of us believe we're the most racist, homophobic, xenophobic, misogynist, imperialist people on earth, because that's what our media, soon to be the indistinguishable from our government, tells us. Is America's light beginning to dim? And today we've got Donna Carol Voss, we also have Jess Money, and uh, let's start with with uh, with our previous guest, Jess. What, 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 what do you think about this, my friend? Do, do, do you think that the... Uh, that there is a dimming light of America, given given a lot of the things that are going on. Oh, ab- absolutely. Uh, you know, as I said, our one of the key characters in my book comes to the conclusion that this isn't the country he learned about in his grade school civics class, and the 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 one percent, or more precisely, the point oh one percent, has a near death grip on the media um, and on uh, the, the economy and yep. on the military apparatus and the poor everyday people um, are just shafted. Donna, follow up on those points uh, that Jess made. Have you heard of the latest uh, the Huffington Post contributor who published two articles on Sunday, longtime contributor, and they each were about Hillary's health. And I think they both linked out to a YouTube video by a reporter and a YouTube guy named Paul Watson. Called yes, the Paul Joseph Bizarre. Watson. Yes, from yeah. Okay. So, so anyway, <laughs> this guy David Seaman, the contributor, he said without any notice at all, the Huffington Post took down those articles. They uh, revoked his credentials as a contributor. And he was so freaked out about it that he did a, his own YouTube video saying, hey, I'm not suicidal, and I'm not clumsy, and so, you know, if something happens to me in the next couple of days, I just, I just want you to know I'm not clumsy and I'm not suicidal. It was just bizarre. Talk about dimming of the light. Crazy. Jess. Uh, Donna, I, I hate to interject, <laughs> but it, it's not crazy. It would have been crazy a few years ago, but now as a measure of how far we've sunk, it's now entered the realm of the plausible. Stuff that was considered tinfoil hat conspiracy theory ten years ago is now being accepted by many people 
as much more plausible. Yeah. You make a good point. We've got uh, Jess Money with us today. We also have Donna Carol Voss joining us for her regular segment. I was having such a good time with with Jess. I wanted to bring him in on here uh, with, with Donna because uh, they, they, they kind of share uh, just just some of the same views here. And uh, and 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 Jess, with, with, with this whole topic of the dimming light of America, it seems that no matter what's revealed about Hillary Clinton, Benghazi, the private server, this Clinton Foundation, she basically lies about it. The mainstream media fawn over them to carry out her message is this helping or hurting america and then we'll get donna's uh comment on this as well well i think it's definitely hurting america and excuse me i have uh, two points i'd like to make with this yeah we have a block party every year i got lots of neighbors on my block uh one's a former air force academy graduate air force pilot another naval academy navy pilot guy down the street who's retired from from army intelligence and we were talking about this he could go to leavenworth he's been out of the military for 12 years now he could go to leavenworth for simply telling civilians like me what his top secret security clearance level was and yet hillary clinton is walking around free putting classified information in in easily hackable uh, emails, storing it in an unprotected server, and so forth and so on. And if you look at the media, during Hillary's campaign, the media did everything they could to ignore and knock down Bernie Sanders. Once that was accomplished, they've turned their full fury on Donald Trump. If you listen to the mainstream media Donald Trump is a combination of the devil and a creature from aliens okay I actually have a, 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 a an acquaintance who's a writer on a website who has come up with a phrase I hate it when Trump's right <laughs> because you, know, you never hear that in the public media no Donna? <laughs> Donna. Yes. Awesome. You, asked, you asked if this was good or bad for America. I think there are two Americas. It's very bad for the America that we learned about in our civics class. It's spawning the new America of Anthony Weiner and Kim Kardashian and this sort of reality show writ large where ratings, ratings, rate, ratings, power, 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 money, 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 self, self, self. It, yeah. it, it's it, it is it is scary. I feel very old. I'm 53, but I feel very old when I'm able to remember you know how patriotic we were when I was in elementary school. And when they say patriotic, I don't mean uh, exercising my rights to be uh, civil disobedient. I'm saying patriotic, like thrilled to the bone to be Americans. We've oh, absolutely yes, absolutely. You are 100 percent right, and I think all of us will it will admit that the country wasn't perfect then, and it's certainly not perfect now, but but there's become the, the change that you've identified, and when more people can identify Kim Kardashian than the candidates for president, we're in deep doo-doo. That's the stuff Harry Truman warned you to be careful of in the barnyard. <laughs> 
<laughs> We've got Donna Carol Voss with us today, Jess Money also. And uh, Donna Carol Voss's newest book, Hail to the Chief, 10 Questions to Ask Every Oval Office Candidate. She's with us today here on our broadcast. Uh, today's topic, of course, the dimming light of America. And uh, Donna, this next question, I'll start with you, and then, I'll, and then we'll go to Jess's comments on this. Um, the New York Times has yet to report on this AP story that half of a, a, a dozen, basically, private donors to the Clinton Foundation Foundation had meetings with Hillary while she was Secretary of State. Is this helping or hurting America? Give me your thoughts, and then we'll go to Jess. I can't make the claim that they still haven't, but this is what Rush Limbaugh said last, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday. But I do know that if you listen to Hugh Hewitt or any of the constitutional law professors or, or people that are knowledgeable, I mean, there's so much law-breaking, the, uh, the, what do they call them, the uh, foreign agent have to register, whatever. You, you can't, yes. you cannot do quid pro quo, and yet, what? Wait! I just feel like I feel like people who are under general anesthesia, who <laughs> cannot move, and yet they're screaming and screaming. I can feel the pain. Jess, yeah. <laughs> follow up on that, my friend. Well, um, you know, uh, she's correct, and. You know, the global found, uh, the Clinton Foundation, the Clinton Global Initiative is just one gigantic fraudulent extortion scheme. The fact that donors, meet, that the people who are the donors might have met with Hillary Clinton is in and of itself not a big deal because if you're Secretary of State and you're negotiating some trade agreement or whatever, you might want to talk to the CEO of Boeing and the CEO of of uh, General Motors and yeah. so forth to see how. But the idea that these people got in to those meetings because they paid hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars to the Clinton Foundation is an absolute sale of public office for for private personal gain and um, there's a uh, a book out by Zephyr Teachout up in uh, in New York who challenged Cuomo for the nomination for governor she's called Corruption in America and she traces the change of our definition of corruption <clears throat> way back to the time when there was a controversy over whether or not Ben Franklin should ex- accept an ornate jeweled snuff box from the King of France as a gift because it might be interpreted as influencing Franklin's decisions. Now, we've gone from that to this, and it's it's criminal, but it doesn't get prosecuted. <laughs> Just absolutely amazing. Uh, we've got Jess Money with us today. We also have Donna Carol Voss joining us today, 